0: I'm Joe Callahan, and I'd like to welcome you back to another of our teachings and Messages to the Bride. Today, the subject I'd like to speak on is what it means to be made in the image of God. Now, when I was in school, and particularly in college, uh, I was a terror, <laughs> I have to admit. The nice thing about college as opposed to high school is they treated you more like you were a fellow adult. You could actually talk back to the teachers and they wouldn't send you to the principal's office. They felt you had an opinion that that had value and you could actually talk back with them. it so happened that I took this uh, speed reading class because it was winter time and it was either that or phys ed. And here in Florida, it doesn't snow, but it does get kind of cold, and the temperature was in the 40s. And they had everybody running around in shorts, outside with 40 degree weather. It was that, or stay inside, and take a speed reading course. Well, naturally, not being dumb, and liking my comfort, I took the speed reading course. Not so that I could read as fast as I talk, but just to get out of the cold. We'd see those guys running by look out the window, and every one of them looked like they were heavy smokers. You could see their breath coming out, and it was so cold. And I was glad I was in that class. Well, it turns out the teacher in that class was a professor, and uh, he had a theory. It was very popular back then in the uh, 1960s. that if you were a college professor and you got invited to a party and someone introduced you They would say he's a professor and he has a theory and everybody would go. Oh, let's hear your theory. So that was big time But well, this man unfortunately was an atheist. He didn't believe in God And part of his class many times he would spend asking us why we believed in God And quite frankly I'm sad to say I wasn't born again then I had my Catholic religious background I had no clue how to lead him to believe in God so I was as dumbfounded and quiet as the rest of the religious people in that class he didn't get anything out of me or anybody else but one thing did occur that was interesting Uh, one day he came in and he actually gave us his theory and he called his theory nothingness Here was his theory. He said that when the scientist takes the atom and breaks it down into the smallest, tiniest particle, they'll find nothing there. So he said that he believed that nothing was set into motion at a tremendous rate of speed, and this produced energy and this fissioned the molecules together. Well, I took all that in, and I'm sorry, but I could not resist. So my hand shot up. He said, yes, Joe, do you have a question? And I said, yes, I would like to know what got the nothing set into motion at a tremendous rate of speed, which of course would be God. Well, his answer to me was very simple. He said, nothing. So I replied, "Uh, let me see if I understand your theory correctly. You're telling me that nothing set nothing into motion at a tremendous rate of speed and this produced energy and this vision molecules together. Is that correct? And he said, yes. And I said, you know what I think of your theory? And he said, what? And I said, nothing. And the class just broke up laughing. And I'm thinking, boy, I filled this class for sure. But he was a nice guy and he didn't fail me. <laughs> but it was, you know, interesting. But I wish I had known then what I know now. It would have been a blessing and an honor to lead that man to know his heavenly father. Now that's just the beginning. To get to the meaning of what it means to be made in the image of God, I ran across another professor while attending business college on the GI Bill. And this man was kind of like the uh, Ben Stein. He made a lot of money on the side as an advisor to wealthy people on how to invest their money. Very, very wise man. and he was teaching a business course so what he would do and particularly if he was getting ready to give out an important test he would crack a joke and we'd all laugh and it kind of broke the tension so everybody appreciated that in him but one day he came in and to start class he made a joke about God he said you know I've heard that man was created in the image of God And he said, you look around and you see some pretty weird looking people. Kind of makes you wonder what God looks like. And a lot of the people in the class broke up laughing. Well, I thought, Lord, he's getting a laugh at your expense. And all I did was I just briefly thought, I wish I could explain this to him. Be careful what you wish for, you just might get it. Next thing you know, my hand shot up. Yes, Joe, do you have a question? I said, yes, sir, I do. I said, I would like to ask you, have you ever looked at yourself in a mirror? Now he knew I was a sneaky kind of person, so he was a little leery. And his reply was, I'm not quite sure I understand what you're asking me. And I said, very simply, I'm asking you, have you ever looked at yourself in a mirror? And he said, yes, I have. I said, well, that's good. I said, now if you had red hair, and blue eyes, and the little finger on your right hand was missing, and the person looking back at you had brown hair and brown eyes, and the little finger on their right hand was not missing, then that wouldn't be your image, is that correct?" He said, yes, under those circumstances, that would not be my image. And I said, in order for it to be your image, it has to reflect back to you the same characteristics that make you known as you. I said, here's what it means when it says, God made man in his image. Now a lot of pastors go, body, soul, and spirit. I have no problem with that, of course that's true. God has a body, a soul, and a spirit. He gave us the same thing, being his created children. But it goes beyond that, what the Holy Spirit showed me. I said, what that means is found in our ability to produce the fruit of the Spirit. I said, when people come up to us and try to get us angry, and we show them love, patience, forgiveness, kindness, then we're responding to them the same way our Father would respond to them. We're showing His image to them. Well, the Professor said, I never thought about that before. I said to him, neither did I, it just came to me. So that was quite interesting at the time. Also, I had a flashback come back to me of when I was first born again. I was working at the Montgomery Ward's department store and there was some guy around my same age who just for some reason didn't like me. I guess thought Satan was motivating him. I was a born again Christian and he was upset. Anyway, he came up to me one day and tried to pick a fight with me. Uh, He was calling me all kinds of names, which dummies do. That's just moron mouth language. So he was this, that, and the other trying to pick a fight with me. Well, I wound up looking at him and I said, I'm sorry you feel that way. What can I do to change your mind? The guy looked at me, and his eyes bugged out, and his mouth dropped open, and he just turned and walked away. Well, as he walked away, I said to the Holy Spirit, I said, Holy Spirit, that's not the me that I know. The me I know was taught never to take guff off of anybody, and if they want to fight, fight them, you know. The me I know would have said, after work, you and me in the parking lot, I'm going to let my fist talk to you and explain to you why you never want to consider talking to me like that. And I said, I said, I'm sorry you feel that way. What can I do to change your mind? I said, that's not the me that I know. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and he said, "No, Joe. That's the new creation that I'm making in you when you heal to me." I went, "Wow." Now, the years went by. And one day as I was driving along in my car, I came to a stoplight that turned red. And I'd been, as I was driving, I'd been reminiscing about this incident with the professor. The Holy Spirit asked me, Joe, would you like to learn more? Well, naturally, I said, yes, I would. So he said, okay. He said, I want you to go into a room that's filled with mirrors. Nothing but mirrors. And there's a light bulb and a light switch. There's mirrors on the floor, mirrors on the ceiling, mirrors everywhere. Nothing but mirrors, the light bulb and the light. He said, I want you to close the door and tell me what you see. Well, I was in darkness and I said, I don't see anything. He said, okay, now there's a 25 watt bulb inside the light. Flip the switch and tell me what you see. I said, I see something, but it's... Not all that clear. He said, okay, now there's a 40 watt, now there's a 60, now there's a 100, now there's 2, 000, uh, 250, now there's a 1000 watt. And the more wattage, the brighter the light, and it began to be where I could see my image in every mirror in the place. He said, the power of the light the wattage represents how quickly you healed your spirit to my guidance guidance of the Holy Spirit the quicker you heal to me the brighter the wattage will be you can say I think I can handle this Just sit by and watch me and you'll be pretty much in darkness but when you heal to me that's where the light comes in and drives away the darkness that's where you have power to reflect the image of your father I thought wow that's really neat and the Holy Spirit told me but Joe remember in order to have power you must be connected to a power source that source naturally is the Holy Spirit He said we should start it out by seeking his wisdom, his guidance to be in control of our life. In my prayers, I say, let not my will, but let your holy and perfect will be done in my life this day. Then he said to me, I want you to try this. Stop paying the power bill for six months and see what happens. He said, you can stand there and flip that switch all day long. And you're not going to get any light because you have failed to pay the power bill. I thought, man, you know, these parables, just like Jesus gave, they're so close to nature. And yet it also gives you spiritual facts. And I was thinking, yes, that's so true. And then I said, well, what is the power bill? I just explained it to you earlier the power bill is at the start of each day submitting your will to that of God's will our spirit is our will it's part of our being made in the image of God God has a will it's his Holy Spirit when we try to do it on our own that's where we get into trouble and you know that God's Word tells us be holy as your Father in Heaven is holy. The scary part is it doesn't say, I think it would be nice if you would try to be holy as your Father in Heaven is holy. Uh-uh, uh uh-uh. It doesn't go that way. It says, be you holy as your Father in Heaven is holy. Now, the first time I came across that scripture, I said, uh-uh, uh-uh. I know me too well, and there's just no way that I can be holy. And that's true. In my own spirit, in my own power, I fall too often and too easily into the temptation of the flesh. I can't be holy. I make mistakes. I sin. I fail. But, God would never tell us to do something and not give us the ability to gain the wisdom and power to do so that comes with not just being born again of the Spirit of God but with being baptized by the Holy Spirit and fire now I know there's a lot of churches out there that lie to you they're religious churches they're scared to death of the Holy Spirit He's the Spirit of Truth, and He'll reveal all the man-made garbage that they've been feeding you that isn't worth bothering with. It's not worth your time. It won't get you into heaven. It won't make your life on earth abundant. I've heard people tell me that their pastor told them that gift was only for the twelve apostles. Well, I referred them to Acts, where Paul ran right across these dozen of vision guys. And they were all claiming to be Christians. But Paul sensed something about them that was kind of a warning sign, like they're not necessarily committed Christians. It could have been the kind of language they were using. That's a sure sign. But he asked them, well, with what baptism were you baptized? And their answer was, with John's baptism. They've been baptized in water like a good Baptist." Then paul reminded them of what john himself had said i indeed baptize you with water but the one coming after me he it is who will baptize you with the holy spirit and fire and paul asked them would you like to receive this blessing every single one of them said yes i would paul laid hands on them and not one of those twelve missed out every one of them Received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the fire, and I said, "Ask your pastor if it was only for the apostles. How does he explain these twelve efficient men? How does he explain me and millions of other Christians around the world that have received this wonderful, powerful blessing in their life? So God gives us the ability to be holy as our fathers holy." And that comes through submitting our will, our spirit, to God's spirit, his Holy Spirit, and letting him lead us and teach us and guide us. His job is to lead us into all truth. He won't lie to us the way man's religion will. His goal is to see us safely into heaven and to make our life here on earth abundant, filled with righteousness, peace, and joy. When he moved into our life and becoming born again, he brought with him the kingdom of God. People without Jesus do not have that kingdom within them. But when you give your heart to Jesus, you receive in your body, your soul, and your spirit the kingdom of God. That's so important to our everyday life. So... And getting ahead of myself here a little bit but I think we've covered the idea of being made in the image of God now I know that people will ask me where is it in God's Word because you see when the Holy Spirit told me this I asked him where is it in God's Word so, I can show people that they can actually find backing for what I just said. Tell me exactly where to find it. This is for you to look up. Anytime you hear anything from me or anyone else, you need to know that it corresponds with the Word of God. It's not just something that they made up in their head. So, I'm telling you where to look it up. It's up to you to look it up. it's in 1 Corinthians, it's in chapter 13 verse 12. just so happens, not by accident, I have my Bible. turned to that page. Now this is the part where Paul was preaching and he talked about when he was a child. He spoke as a child, he understood as a child, and he thought as a child. But when he became a man, he put off childish things. But after that, he said, For now we see as through a glass darkly, but then face to face I know now in part but then I shall know even as I also am known well when the King James Version was interpreted in the old English language guess what they called a mirror they didn't have the word mirror they called it a looking glass and it says we see through a glass darkly, but then, when is then? Obviously, it's on the day of judgment, because on on the day of judgment everything will be revealed, everything about us. And it says, but then, face to face. I know now in part but then I shall know, even as I also am known. So that gives you backing in God's Word for finding this. Now, another thing I would like to go into, uh, due to time constraints the last time, as I was sharing with you about witnessing to my friends Joe and Glenn at the factory, uh, there are certain things that I left out that I think you should know about them, and I think you'll find it very interesting. They have quite a story. I'll start out with Glenn. As you know, I'd invited Glenn to come with me to Christian retreat on Sunday. And as I said, we had the weekends off. Well, when Friday got there, Glenn came up to me and he said, Joe, will I have to give up anything to become a Christian? He said, I'm 25 years old. And there's certain things that I really enjoyed doing, and I don't think my life would be as full or as happy if I had to give them up. I said to him, no, Glenn, you don't have to give up anything to become a Christian. I said, if, if anything, you get something. And he said, what's that? I said, you get new eyes. You get your spiritual eyes open. And you see these things for what they really are in your life. Are you being deceived into thinking they're valuable to your life? Or are they actually valuable, not just to your life now, but to your eternity? And I said, all you do in seeing things for what they really are is make the decision to throw the garbage out and keep the good things. He said, I'd like that. Well, of course, as you know, he came over with me to Christian retreat, got born again and received the baptism of the Holy Spirit all at one time. Herald president, famous Lutheran minister. Same one that prayed for Pat Boone. Now, I have to tell you that uh, a few things then revealed to me and it was really interesting. He'd been stationed in the army in Germany and while there a group of racist black guys jumped him, five of them, and beat him to a pulp, left him bloody. He had to go and get hospitalized. He was beaten so badly. And as a result of that, it left him with bitter disgust of anyone whose skin was black. He didn't trust them, and he had hatred in his heart toward them. After becoming born again, he told me of his experience And he said that his heart had changed so much that he felt so much love and compassion for black people that he was feeling a call to go to Africa and do work among the black people as a missionary. He said he loved them the same way Jesus loved him. Now for Glenn, He also told me that while in Germany, he paid $25 to get a pornographic book. And he said when it came to getting his spiritual eyes open, he was having conflict with himself. He paid so much for that book. it had such pictures of gorgeous young women in it that he was debating about it. He was thinking, maybe I should sell it. And then the Holy Spirit spoke to him and said, you don't want to pollute someone else's life, get rid of it. Glenn said, Joe, I went to the furnace in my apartment building and I threw that book in. Now the guys at the factory began to tell Glenn he was no longer a man because he refused to no longer go with the guys to hit a few bars after work. They were strip bars where guys would put their hard-earned money into women's underwear and then give their little sly grin like they did something naughty. So stupid, these guys are such dopes. They work hard for the money and the girl just stands there and they just dump the stuff into their underwear. Well, Glenn refused to go anymore. He used to go out drinking with the guys and putting his hard-earned money into that underwear. No more. And they made fun of him. And they said, you're just a little sissy anymore. He said, no, I'm a man who knows what life's about. And it's about my relationship with a God who suffered and died for me. And I'm not going to neglect that. He took a strong stand. Now, I've got to tell you about his friend Joe. Like I told you, Joe is a character uh, coming from Rockin', famous for a lot of boxers. He was into the macho image and everything. Well, Joe, his story is, he didn't get born again until it was very close to Christmas as a matter of fact it was two days before Christmas what a blessing well he wanted to go over to Christian retreat to get dunked in the Braden River to be baptized he said as far as being baptized I have no memory of it whatsoever at all he said they told me as a baby that i had been baptized <clears throat> but as a baby I don't even remember. And all they did was sprinkle water on me. He said, I want to be submerged. I want to show God that the old man is dead and buried and the new man is going to arise. So I took Joe over there. He invited the guys at the factory to come with him. And they're saying, You're going into that cold water? And he said, Yes. They said, man, you're crazy. They had no idea what a compliment that was. And although a lot of them were making fun of him, a lot of them probably wished they had the same kind of faith that could inspire a man to get in water that was said to be just a little above freezing. The temperature outside when we went there was 40 degrees with a strong breeze blowing. Now, of all the guys at the factory, only one showed up, and that was his friend Glenn. Glenn and, I, Glenn and I showed up for Joe's baptism. Joe's wife refused to come. She was Catholic, I was born a Catholic and I was brainwashed a Catholic and I'll be a Catholic till the day I die. She would not come to his baptism. She didn't want to honor her. Well, as we were getting ready and waiting for the minister to come and participate, officiate in Joe's baptism, uh, Joe began to ask me for advice. And he said, Joe, you've been there before, you've done this. He said, what should I do? So I told him, I said, well, for one thing, I said, if the minister asks you, to be, do you believe, you need to know what the right answer to give him is. And then I went on to tell him about the guy who, when he was getting baptized, <clears throat> the minister, excuse me just a moment, this is funny, and I don't want you to miss it. a little better, yeah. Anyway, the minister, when he dunked him the first time and brought him up, he looked at him and he said, Do you believe? The man's thinking, Believe what? minister dunked him a second time brought him up. For the second time, he asked him, Do you believe? And the guy's going, What does he want me to say? Well, the minister dunked him a third time. And when he brought him up, he said, once more? Do you believe? And very excitedly, the man answered and he said, yes, I believe. The minister said, what do you believe? And the man said, I believe you're trying to drown me. And so then I I told Glenn, I mean, not Glenn, I told Joe, um, I said, uh, now when you're under the water, I said, you need to cover your nose. And I said, if you get the urge to speak in tongues, wait until you come up out of the water, whatever you do, or you'll be drinking part of the river, you know? And then I said, um, another thing, Joe, I said, how long can you hold your breath for? And Joe looks at me, and he said, oh, probably about a minute to a minute and a half. And he said, why? And I said, well, I just wanted to know because I plan on offering the minister a bribe, I mean, donation if he'll hold you under for two minutes. And I said, you better pray that God's healed your lungs from all that smoking you've been doing, cause man, you're gonna be under longer than you thought. So we all had a kick out of that. Next thing you know, the officiating minister showed up. And if you think I was bad, wait till you hear what he had to say. So he shows up, he's got some old clothes on. And when he, he actually showed up on time, which was amazing. Anyway, first thing he said, uh we ministers drew straws, and guess what? I lost. And then he said, every now and then we get a few like you, but fortunately not often. And we were all just laughing our head off about that, because they're about to go into water just above freezing. Then the minister said, I think it's time for me to get serious. He said, Joe you have no idea how honored i am to be the one officiating at your baptism he said your flesh must be screaming about the very idea of getting into this nearly freezing water but it's a commitment that you've made to god and you want to show him that you're a new creation in christ he said i admire that so much in you i wish more people had that kind of faith. And he said, come on, let's get wet." And he went out and did the baptism. Now, Joe uh, also told me about an event he had. <clears throat> There's a uh, really busy roadway in this area. It's called Olmerton Road. It's a four-lane semi-highway and on the side of it they dug drainage ditch which was about eight feet deep well it a lot of people at getting off work time heading up to Largo from where we were in, in Clearwater will take Almerton Road to get home well Joe was doing that and as he was driving on Almerton Road and now Joe was in his mid-twenties just like Lynn, I think he was around 25 also But as Joe was driving, he noticed off to his right. He was in the right-hand lane, and then there was a left-hand lane. But to the right of him was that drainage ditch, which was curved and went down eight feet. Well, this wise guy came rushing by everybody, driving a Jeep. He thought his Jeep would keep him safe. And where the traffic was inching its way along, this guy comes passing everybody. Well... He didn't get very far from where Joe was when Joe heard a loud crashing sound. And in a short time, Joe's car came alongside where the guy in the Jeep had run off the road and into that drainage ditch. His Jeep was turned upside down. He was inside it. Joe was thinking to himself, should I stop and see if I can in any way help him? And then he was thinking, well, his wife had fixed dinner for him and if he showed up late, she was going to jump all over him. I worked so hard to give you a hot dinner and you show up late and let it get cold. He was going to face a terrible chewing out if he didn't show up on time. And he said, then Joe told him, the, the Holy Spirit spoke to him and said, pull over to the side of the road and see what you can do for this young man. He said, I pulled over to the side of the road, Joe. I went running down into that crevice. When I got there, I found the guy that as if he was the same age I was. He said he also had a rod from the Jeep that was stuck in the side back side of his head. And he was bleeding profusely. So he said, I spoke to him. And I told him, listen, my brother, uh, I'm not a paramedic I have no medical training but it looks as if you're seriously injured you have a rod stuck in the back of your head and you're bleeding an awful lot and he said there's something really important that I need to ask you he said do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior and the guy answered him and said no I've never done that Joe said well don't you think now might be a good time The guy agreed with him. He said, if you don't mind, I'd like to lead you in prayer. And he said, I'm going to pray that God will heal you, that you'll come out of this all right. But whatever his will is, that's what's going to happen. If you died, it would be nice to know that you're going to go to heaven and not to hell. So he took the guy's hand and was praying with him, leading him in the sinner's prayer. When the paramedics showed up, and the paramedic that went running down to the ditch saw them holding hands and Joe leading him in prayer. The paramedic said, this is unique. I've never seen this before. Well, immediately they started working on getting the guy out of the Jeep and getting him into the ambulance and rushing him to the nearest hospital. It all happened so fast, Joe never even got his name or what hospital they were taking him to. So he got back in his car and he was heading home and he said he was thinking about what a difference in his life from his days of being a catholic he said joe when i was a catholic and i had come across a scene like that i would have said to myself when i get home i've got to say some our fathers and hail marys for that guy then when i got home i would have done it And I would have patted myself on the back saying, Oh, what a good Christian I am. I remembered to pray for him. He said, What a difference to have the Holy Spirit tell me, Go and minister to that man. He needs Jesus. He said, What a difference, Joe. What a difference. Well, as it turned out, Joe started holding. Bible study in his apartment, and he was getting some guys from the factory to show up, plus some other friends that he had outside of the factory, and he was having five, six, seven guys show up the nights that he was doing Bible study. The sad news is, he and his wife, both young, had a little boy, Joe the Third. wife being a brainwashed Catholic that loved that label was angry with Joe for having Bible study. She refused to participate in it and it got to where she got so angry over it. And you can tell that religion helps Satan direct people's lives. She went into the bedroom and turned up the radio so loud people could hardly hear themselves think while they were in the living room having Bible studies. She was angry over Joe doing that. She got after him to deny his belief as a Christian and come back to the Holy Mother Catholic Church. Joe said, there's such a difference between having relationship with Jesus and having empty man-made religion. There's no way on earth that I'll ever return to that again. Well, it got really deep and the sad news is, his wife, getting together with her family members who gave her good Catholic advice, had her divorce, Joe. And a stupid judge, some of these judges are totally ignorant, they're heathen, he gave custody of Joe III to her. Who knows he might have been a Catholic also but it wasn't just for Joe he loved his son he would have taken care of him and he would have seen to it that Joe grew up with a relationship with God and not empty religion but that judge gave custody to the wife next thing you know the factory almost went out of business we had Jimmy the Carter I always said we put a peanut farmer in the White House and he managed to farm our money into peanuts. High interest rates and businesses were closing right and left. And he wasn't smart enough as a good democrat to know what to do about it. He wasn't Donald Trump, he hadn't, hadn't got a clue and he would hardly ever hold any press conferences if they would have asked him, what are you doing about the high interest rates? If he'd have been honest, he'd say, I'm a millionaire. I'm making big money on this high interest rates. What do you think I'm doing? In the meanwhile, everybody was suffering. That factory got to where they laid everybody off except the foreman. Now, this is a factory that used to run 24 hours a day. But orders had dropped off, dropped off, dropped off to where they could not pay the people to work. So, we all wound up pretty much out of work. And Joe... Decided it was time for him to move back to Brockton. He had relatives there, friends there, that could help him get a decent job. The saddest part about it is his heart was broken. He said, my son means the world to me. And to know that I'll be far from him, that I'll only get to see him a little bit during his years of growing up, breaks my heart. But through it all, Joe remained faithful to God. He wasn't about to give up his relationship to go back into empty and powerless religion again. He knew what it was to be made in the image of God. Now, I promised myself if I had enough time that I would tell you the story of my friend, Father Almond When I was going to Bishopbury High School, there was a young priest there who was maybe only about four years older than I was, and he was a teacher in the high school. He naturally had the good old Irish wit, the same as I did. When we got together, it was a riot. So, One day, we'd go on bowling in the evening at the nearby bowling alley, and on our drive back, he parked his car over at my house, and on our drive back, going in my car, some clown came speeding by us on the driver's side, doing probably 100 miles an hour. The road was cutting off from two lane into one. That guy nearly sideswiped me. I had to slam on the brakes and got run off the road to keep from having a collision with him. Now it was a warm summer night, windows were down, and I yelled out to him, I said, you damn idiot! I think you can tell I was a bit mad. Then it hit me, oh my goodness, I just said a cuss word in front of a holy person. (gasps) Oh no! So I looked over at him and I said, Father, I'm sorry, but I said, that guy could have caused us to be seriously injured or even dead, and it just made me angry. Well, with his good Irish humor, he looked at me and he said, that's perfectly all right. He said, all you did was say out loud what I was thinking. Perfect answer. I felt so relieved. Well, his story is a sad one they put him in with the Monsignor over on St. Petersburg Beach at a Catholic Church called St. John's and at the time he was there St. John's being on St. Petersburg Beach they had a lot of wealthy parishioners and at the time he was there they had promised that they were going to take up money and use gold to coat the dome They had at the top of this church they were going to be so proud look what we did no other church around has a golden dome well they would collected money from the wealthy people to make it happen but one night he was at the rectory and he receives a knock on the door and it was this man who came to him asking for help he said he'd been unemployed and unemployed for so long And again, these were during hard times. But he'd been unemployed for so long that his unemployment had run out. And he and his wife and his little baby were living in their car. He took Father Allman out to the car and introduced him to his wife. And he could see, you can tell when somebody's been living in their car what it looks like, he could see that was the truth. Well, what Father Allman did, is he wrote to him out a check for $500 from the money that was in that building fund to coat that dome with gold. And he said to him, I want you to cash this and use the money for you and your wife to get a motel to sleep in tonight. And then you come back and see me tomorrow at one o'clock. In the morning, I'm gonna make some calls to parishioners that I know and we're gonna find you a decent job. I think that's called charity. It's called loving others, the same as Jesus loves us. Well, it turns out the Monsignor didn't quite feel the same way. This Monsignor found out that there was $500 missing from that building fund. He asked Father Almond to give an accounting. I see where you wrote a check for $500. May I ask you why? Well he told him about the man and his need and that it was real and it was sincere and that the man came by and saw him and he found him a good job for well, the Monsignor became extremely angry and he said you had no right to take that from the building fund he said what are we going to tell these wealthy people that contributed to it we gave them a deadline that this work will be done what if we're not able to complete it by that deadline how are we going to explain that to them he said he looked at him and he said well I guess you just tell them that we did what Jesus would have wanted us to do well that further infuriated the Monsignor and they arranged to send Father almond off to a place out west for re-education he was failing to do his job as a priest properly. Now I'm going to tell you how I learned all these things. When I was going to junior college, at one time, I changed my um, career to working with retarded children. It's called human services. And it covered a lot of things. It covered working with ex-convicts. It covered working with people getting them off of drugs and alcohol and everything. And A lady had interviewed Father Holman at PAR, which was a place for recovering alcoholics and drug addicts. He was working there. And she interviewed him, and she had it on cassette tape, and I got to hear his whole story. He and I hadn't seen each other in quite a while. But when I heard his story, I was appalled. And the sad thing is, back then, I still was a Catholic. But what happened? was when he went to that re-education class, I think the Chinese communists have the same kind of deal going. They taught him the proper answers when somebody comes to you and they're in need. You have to put your arm around them, hug them, and say, we all have our cross to bear go your way my child and i'll pray for you but under no circumstances take any money from your building fund to help that person he said that was so phony so ridiculous that he quit the priesthood and now he was working as a civilian in par helping people get off of drugs now i can't find the words to tell you how embarrassed i was to hear that because at that time like i say i was still a catholic and i thought good grief you know so many people don't know the behind the scenes of what's going on if they did maybe they'd wise up anyway i'll leave you with one last really funny story you know, the truth is often so much more times funnier than if you've made something up. This relates to my little sister's baptism. I was four years older than my sister, and uh, her father, whom my mother married, wasn't a Catholic. And then when they got divorced, my mother, uh, being so devout a Catholic, she wanted to get her daughter baptized. Now at that time, um, I was I think probably around, um, I guess around 12 years old and I'm not even that, I was 10 years old, pardon me, I was moved to Florida in 54 and 54 was my 10th year. So I was 10 years old, my sister being 5 years younger would I mean, four years younger, She would be six years old at the time. And this reveals why the Catholics want to baptize people while they're a baby and let somebody else answer the questions for them. It was hilarious. It was so funny. You, you, You had to be there to see it. We're in this chapel area. My sister was sitting alone in the corner of the pew. And the priest came over to where she was prior to going the water deal and he was squatting down to ask her questions (laughs) my sister was an independent thinker quite honestly she was the a student in the family I'm just your average Joe but she was always on the honor roll and all that but he asked her a question he said do you renounce Satan and all of his evil works and my sister was sitting there going, hmm, do I or don't I? And she didn't say anything. She was just sitting there. The priest looked at her and whispered out loud to her. He said, you're supposed to say yes. And she goes, yes. Then he asked her another question. Do you agree to accept The Holy Mother Catholic Church is the only true church established by Jesus Christ and to honor its leader, the Holy Father." My sister sat there going, Hmm, do I or don't I? (laughs) Nothing. She said nothing. She's sitting there. And the priest said to her, You're supposed to say yes. She said back to him, I'm thinking about it. Give me time. And then she finally said, yes. Well, in the meantime, we were sitting right behind her and me at 10 years old. I was dying. It was so funny because she would she wasn't going to answer anything that he suggested. It had to come from her and she wanted to think about it. And it was just hilarious. That priest was so frustrated. And I'm trying not to giggle. I was trying... To You know, it was kind of so funny, I was laughing my head off. But the thing that did it for me, the thing that finished me off, was when they decided they were going to take her over to the baptismal font to pour water over her, they hadn't warned her about it. They hadn't told her a thing about this deal. So when the good old godmother and godfather and the witness showed up, one of them grabs her by the shoulders. Now my sister, I think at her age of five, she was standing about maybe three and a half feet One of them grabbed her shoulders, another grabbed her waist, another grabbed her feet, and the next thing you know they lifted her up and started to carry her from where she was at the pew over to the water baptismal, and the look on my sister's face was priceless. If you ever wanted to see frustration, fear, and anger, and confusion all in one face, you would look into my sister's face and she's going, what are these crazy people doing to me? They hadn't told her a thing they were going to do this. So here she is, perpendicular like this. It was so funny. They take her over there and the priest takes a little scoop of water and pours it over her head. That was it. Well, it did, it did me in. I had to go running out. The I was laughing so hard. I couldn't stop. I couldn't resist. And as I was heading for the door, I heard the rest of the people in there just breaking up laughing too. All you had to look was the look on my sister's face. (laughs) And she was in panic mode, like what's with these crazy people? And uh, so I just wanted to tell you about that. It was really kind of funny. I guess maybe I should leave you with one more. You know me, I'm Irish and I never know when to quit. But uh, another really funny story is being from Kentucky, uh, I had a neighbor across the street And his name was Bill Smith, and Bill was an expert shot with a rifle. And he taught me how to shoot a rifle, and I could hit anything, moving or standing still. He also, I had my little cap guns, and of course, my day was Gene Autry, Roy Rogers, uh, hopalong you know, all those. We'd watch them in the movies. And Bill, Knew how to twirl a gun, and he taught me how to twirl a gun with either hand, and how to twirl it and twirl it into my into the holster. And he taught me how to twirl it and then stop it where the butt of the gun was in my hand, my finger was on the trigger, and my thumb had the hammer cocked back. I could twirl it forward and backward and come up with that position. Now. I also knew what was called the Highwayman's highwayman's Reverse. Bill taught me that too, which is kind of tricky and it's a lot of fun. Well, many, many, many years later, I'm working at Kmart, and I was working in the jewelry department. Directly behind me was the toy department. I heard one of my favorite people, this idiot mother, come up to her little boy. Little boy looked like he was about five years old. And she said, honey, you go and play with the toys while Mama goes shopping. That's the kind of jerks that you have out there. They teach them to be irresponsible. They vandalize the toys, break them, and leave without paying for anything. But in the meantime, that stupid mother, leaving that little boy alone, some stranger could come up and kidnap him. How stupid and how lazy of a parent that is. So anyway, I heard that, and the next thing you know, I'm hearing this little boy, and he's tearing into the packages right and left. I thought, I've had enough of this. So I went around to where he was and it just broken into a package containing a pistol. It was a cap pistol. It was a rather large one and it was had a big enough trigger guard to accommodate me putting my finger inside of it and not being squeezed tight. It had room, I put my finger inside. It. So when I came up to him and I saw him with it, I said, um, hey partner, uh, could I see your gun? So he handed it to me and I twirled it forward and then stopped it with my thumb on the hammer and my finger on the trigger and the gun pointed at him. Then I twirled it backwards and stopped it. And then the next thing you know, I did the highwayman's reverse. And that's where you use your trigger finger inside of the trigger guard. And you have it kind of deep inside. And then with a flick of your wrist and a flick of your finger, you act like you're handing it to them butt first, and when they reach for it, you can flip it over, and it's right in your hand, ready to shoot. Clint Eastwood on that uh, outlaw, Josie Wills, did a double highway reverse. He was ambidextrous, did it with both hands. They showed in that. So I told, like, I'm going to hand the gun back to the little guy, and I said, here you are. And when he reached for it, I flipped it around like that, and the next thing you know, I've got my thumb on the hammer, my finger on the trigger, and aimed right at him. Would you believe it? This little guy, around five years old, he looked at me, and he said, Wow, that's neat. Are you an ex-con? I thought, boy, the times, they are a-changing. In my day, I would have asked, are you a cowboy? are you an ex-con well i went along with it and i said yeah kid i escaped don't tell anybody and he said oh no sir i won't his eyes were real big you know and i said and another thing i don't want you opening any more of these boxes and he said oh no sir i won't (laughs) so i had fun out of that but can you imagine how badly the times have changed i did all my cowboy tricks and wound up being accused of being an (laughs) ex-con That's life today, kind of a sad world. Well, anyway, I'll leave you with that. The next teaching we'll be giving will be on the 16th, and it's going to be really a, a nice, deep teaching. And it's a teaching on how we are to give. This is a lesson that I had to learn from the Holy Spirit when I first became born again. I was kind of an overachiever. and He had to put me in my place and give me wisdom on how to give. I'll be sharing that with you and we'll be airing it on October 16 in the meantime thank you for tuning us in today Uh, please help us by letting other people know about these broadcasts it's for every Christian especially every Christian that wants to be a member of the true body and bride of Christ if they're happy with being a baby all in their life and just a pew warmer that puts a dollar in church on Sundays and thinks they've done their duty to God they're going to miss out on what it's really all about these messages are designed to edify, build up members of the True Body and Bride of Christ, of which I also am one. Everything that I teach on applies just as much to my life as it does anyone that I'm speaking to. So once again, I thank you for tuning us in today. I hope we'll see you again a week or so from now. So God bless and have a terrific week. Bye.